Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This episode is brought to you by my course, Rest Assured. If you've been struggling with falling asleep, or staying asleep, or just not waking up feeling well-rested, you've come to the right place. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia, or CBTI, is the gold standard intervention in the management of insomnia. Rest Assured is a digital course that walks you through CBTI, step-by-step, with everything you need to succeed. Each of the six weekly modules guides you through some important background information for the different techniques, explores the evidence-based techniques in detail, provides multiple examples of exercises so you can find the one that works for you, and reviews the work you've completed since the last module. And rest assured, it's just not another DIY left to your own devices, but rather, you get direct access to me, a board-certified sleep physician in twice-monthly office hours, where you can ask me face-to-face any questions you may have about the course material. So check out www.wellrestedmd.com slash RA to learn more. That's wellrestedmd.com slash RA. Or just head to the homepage and click on courses to learn more. Enjoy the episode. Hey there, friends and neighbors. You're listening to the Well Rested Podcast, episode number 47, Cognitive Distortions. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Lennon. No, it's not some artificial intelligence-powered guitar effect but cognitive distortions can really rock your ability to get a good night's rest. In this week's episode, I discuss certain patterns of thinking, dysfunctional and maladaptive cognitive distortions that can turn a bad night even worse and pour cold water on an already difficult sleep experience. Having repeated bad nights of sleep helps to breed a sense of failure, frustration, and even hopelessness about one's sleep. The narratives we tell ourselves can be one of defeat disaster, and an inability to get sleep right. Then it's a simple step to get to rumination. This makes it easy to start to develop and reinforce certain beliefs, especially about our sleep, that can be counterproductive, self-defeating. These are known in the biz as dysfunctional beliefs about sleep. Thankfully, it has been established that improving one's sleep efficiency correlates with reduction in dysfunctional beliefs about one's sleep. To put it another way, One highly effective way to realign maladaptive thinking patterns that worsen our experience of insomnia is to simply adjust our behavior, the timing of the use of the bed. So these concepts, as introduced in episode 42 on cognitive behavioral therapy, are quite helpful when it comes to one's sleep. That adjusting our behaviors affects our thinking. That's one of the sides of the cognitive triangle, where thoughts, emotions, and actions each influence the others. So when it comes to sleep difficulty plagued by unhelpful patterns of thinking, you can indirectly improve the quality or character of that thinking, transforming unhelpful into helpful thoughts, dysfunctional into functional beliefs about sleep simply by adjusting your actions around the bed. Specifically, when sleep efficiency is improved, dysfunctional beliefs about sleep do as well. Recall, as discussed many times before, that sleep efficiency is this quotient of your total time asleep divided by the total time in bed. Since in the middle of the struggle of insomnia, you can't just magically pull more sleep out of a hat, we improve sleep efficiency instead by adjusting the denominator, the total time in bed, as discussed in episode 16 and in episode 44. So, for example, if you had only been getting about 6 hours of sleep despite being in bed from 9pm to 7am, a sleep efficiency of only 60%, one of the most effective ways to rapidly improve insomnia is to shrink that excessive 10 hours in bed to force a higher sleep efficiency, say by spending just 7 hours total in bed, such as from midnight to 7am, rather than 9pm to 7am, 
you just boosted your sleep efficiency from 60% up to over 85%. And with that boost in sleep efficiency comes improvement in dysfunctional beliefs about sleep. But correlating reductions in severity is not quite the same thing as complete resolution and normalization. In fact, what we see as being one of the strongest predictors of failure to improve insomnia is harboring strong dysfunctional beliefs about sleep. The more tightly you hold on to maladaptive, misleading, false myths either conjured or inherited about your sleep, the more difficult it can be to overcome insomnia. So behavioral adjustments definitely help, but don't always work as well as we might like when applied in a vacuum. Often we need to address some of these dysfunctional beliefs head-on. We've addressed this topic several times before, most notably in episode 31 and again in episode 44. With a brain dump, sometimes more eloquently referred to as a thought record, you just empty your noggin of all these ideas and thoughts that keep spinning around. One way is just by the train of thoughts. Write everything that pops up in your head. Other times it's trying to capture specific recurring thoughts that appear at certain times or in particular situations. So today I wanted to dive a little deeper into some of the different flavors you might find in a brain dump and explore some of what are known as cognitive distortions, these thought patterns we get stuck in that can be based on something real, but our minds warp and mold into a shape that can cause more harm than good. So what are cognitive distortions and where do they come from? Well, one way to approach this is to keep in mind that the universe isn't really what we experience. We have limited sensors that take in only a portion of what's going on around us and our brains fill in the blanks as needed. Case in point, my soon-to-be first grader is convinced without a second thought that there are dozens of different shades of her favorite color, pink. Okay, no argument there. But she believes there's only one color, red. So, as color-naive as I am, I tend to see a spectrum of hues, from darker reds to lighter reds to all the pinks to white. But my experience of the same spectrum, the same particular frequency of a light wave, is experienced much differently than my daughter, prompting lots of chastising when I call the crayon specifically labeled Strawberry Red by its name, and not Pink, as she sees it. Or my favorite example is how the mind interprets information from the eye. If you close one eyelid, hold a thumb up with your arm extended out straight in front of you, and while keeping your gaze fixed straight ahead, slowly move your arm a few degrees to the outside, and all of a sudden, your thumb disappears. Try the other eye, and the same thing happens. And this is because there needs to be an interruption in the collecting apparatus of the back of the eye to funnel all those cables carrying visual data back to your brain. So where the optic nerve exits the retina, known as the optic disc, we have a literal blind spot. There's no room for sensors in order for all the wires to collect together and exit in one big bundle. But we don't experience in our day-to-day lives giant holes in our vision, even when only looking from one eye at a time. And the reason is that our brains fill in the gaps, distorting reality to serve a function. Our brains literally hallucinate every moment that our eyes are open, so that we have a continuous experience without gaps, without blind spots. That would be a functional bias, a functional distortion of reality, so that we don't constantly have holes in our vision from these blind spots. And this is completely unconscious. You don't get a say in whether or not your brain distorts the information it receives. Our brains do this in all sorts of other ways, too, also unconsciously that may or may not serve us well. For instance, if you see someone, a stranger, facing you and giving a friendly wave, your first instinct may be to wave back, because we have built-in programming that assumes each of us is at the center of the universe, so he must be waving at you, even though in reality, he's greeting the close friend behind you and out of your view. 
Or if you walk by a group of girls laughing as one of them glances your way, you may assume that they are making fun of you. Because again, we are programmed to assume that we are the center of the universe. The story I'm telling myself is that they're laughing at me. These strangers I've never seen before, never talked to, and can't hear a word of what they're saying or laughing about. I assume it must be about me, and therefore I am offended. There are all sorts of different cognitive distortions and biases that can afflict us in the middle of a bout of troubling sleep. This may be most likely to occur while staring up at the ceiling, wishing sleep would finally come find you. So here are a few of the most common cognitive distortions. Catastrophization. This is assuming the worst. Say there's some neutral or mildly negative bit of information, but I blow it out of proportion into the worst-case scenario. Like, I can't fall asleep, so I'm going to be a total wreck tomorrow, and the meeting with corporates going to be a complete disaster, and they're going to fire me for incompetence, and then I'll have to move back in with my parents, and their squeaky floors always keep me awake so I'll never get to sleep or find another job again. What a catastrophe this one bad night spells for the rest of your life. Next, magnifying or minimizing. This is a special kind of selection bias where we exaggerate the importance of negative things or underestimate the importance of something positive. For instance, after a parent-teacher conference, you downplay or ignore the positive interaction and all the wonderful feedback about your child's performance in school, and instead only focus on how, after leaving the meeting, you found a piece of your kid's cereal stuck in your hair and can't stop thinking how embarrassing that was, and the teacher must think that you're a slob and your kid will be treated differently now. Next. All or nothing thinking. There are many expressions of this. All or nothing, black and white thinking, no gray areas, no room for uncertainty, no appreciation for nuance. This distortion may often be accompanied by other rigid words like must, need to, have to, can't, always, never. For example, if I don't fall asleep in the next 10 minutes, I'm never going to get any shut-eye. Next up, personalization. Again, because I am the center of the universe, I'm more prone to assume responsibility for an outcome that was caused by a multitude of outside factors or random chance. For example, the manager gave the big account to Franklin and not to me because he must have seen me yawning at my desk this morning because I'm so tired. I did this to myself. The next distortion is mind reading. We all have a theory of mind, meaning that I know that you have a mind and know things, and you know that I know that you know things, in layer after layer of this theory of mind. This anticipation of others' behavior can be quite helpful, and it's postulated that only a handful of other species possess this ability. But it's easy to overestimate our ability to peer into other people's thoughts and assume what they are thinking. For instance, I can't sleep because Leslie never returned my text. She must think my idea for her husband's surprise party is so dumb and childish that she's lost respect for me. Next up, fortune-telling. This is basically predictive mind-reading, assuming that your belief about something in the future is true despite not being in a position to know. This can often follow a lot of the same if-then postulations of catastrophizing. For instance, I'm too nervous to sleep because when my in-laws see my potato salad, they're going to hate it so much they won't even want to taste my lemon bars. Another cognitive distortion is overgeneralizing. This could be extrapolating a wide-reaching belief about something based on a small piece of perceived evidence, or applying one small conclusion about something particular to a much larger, merely tangentially related set of things. For example, I can't even fall asleep right, so I'll never be good enough as a parent. One more cognitive distortion is labeling. This is making a global judgment about something or someone based on a small piece of information, 
like an extreme form of all-or-nothing thinking and overgeneralization. For instance, I couldn't get to sleep at all last night. I'm such a total failure. Only a loser like me would be too dumb to be able to fall asleep. Wow. Do any of these sound familiar? If you couldn't tell, a lot of our cognitive distortions tilt negative. For the most part, if we're going to have distorted thoughts about ourselves and the world around us, they tend not to be overly flattering. Too often, they can be quite harsh. So you can see how these kinds of assumptions, judgments, beliefs, can be dysfunctional and maladaptive. Seeing the world not for what it is, experiencing reality not as it is, but in a self-flagellating manner, tends not to serve us very well. And the more internalized some of these thoughts become, the more resistant they can be when challenged. And just like our visual blind spot, we are usually not consciously aware that our minds are warping our perception of reality. And just like sometimes you gotta stick out your thumbs to be reminded of a visual blind spot, sometimes you gotta expose distorted thoughts as well to see them for what they truly are. Thoughts. Not reality. Not unerring truth. Not the way everyone else sees it. But just thoughts. And thoughts that are prone to distortions that may or may not serve you well. And this is the value of a brain dump. A thought record, if you will. As you write down frequent thoughts, intrusive thoughts, automatic thoughts, do you recognize any of these patterns, any of these common cognitive distortions? Catastrophizing. Magnifying or minimizing. All or nothing thinking. Personalization. Mind reading. Fortune telling. Overgeneralizing. And labeling. There are more for sure, but as you write out your own internal narration, Keep in mind these patterns. You're not bad for having them. There are no points deducted from the cosmic game of life for having them. We all experience these distortions from time to time. But seeing them written out, rather than just hearing them in your head, provides a little perspective. Makes it easier to step back and read them as if someone else was saying them. That little bit of distancing, of defusion, makes it easier to challenge any of the thoughts that are not skillful not helpful, not adaptive, not functional, and not serving you well. So to summarize, our brains are not limited to only thinking true, realistic, and well-serving thoughts. Quite the opposite. The elasticity of our thinking is the mechanism of creativity, invention, and adaptation. We explored this concept back in episode 9 on why our brains gifted us with the heritage of mind racing in the first place. And that we, all of us, have a negativity bias. You are not broken. It's a classic type 2 error. Better to assume the worst, be overly cautious and avoid the rustling in the bushes, and survive, rather than assume that every rustling in the bushes is just the wind and end up as lunch. These cognitive distortions are the patterns of misleading thoughts that are the foundation for dysfunctional beliefs about sleep. And thankfully, simply making adjustments to our behavior alone, such as the timing of our use of the bed itself, that behavioral adjustment can reap benefits for our emotional and thinking patterns as well. But some dysfunctional beliefs may be more resistant to an improvement in sleep efficiency and may need to be tackled head-on. And with the use of a tool like a brain dump, we not only facilitate the winding down process to get us in a better place to sleep, not only slow down thoughts that may be racing, but that thought record provides us an opportunity for assessment to identify any potentially maladaptive patterns like catastrophizing, magnifying or minimizing, all-or-nothing thinking, personalization, mind-reading, fortune-telling, overgeneralizing, and labeling. Rate how strongly you believe these thoughts, 
and evaluate any evidence for or against their veracity, and whether that thought is helping or hurting your ability to live the life you want to live. I've got a little freebie for you, so if you head over to wellrestedmd.com day, you can get a free cheat sheet to a day in the life of the well-rested, including some specific best practices to get that good snooze. That's wellrestedmd.com D-A-Y. Be sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player to get all the latest episodes. Leave a review and head over to wellrestedmd.com for more information. Thanks for listening.